From a beach the colour of molten silver, crowned by coconut palms that reached the sky, the preacher watched his jailers slowly recede into the great wash of cerulean that surrounded the northern Alif Atoll. For the crime of preaching jihadism, the prominent Islamist ideologue Sheikh Ibrahim Farid's long beard had been forcibly shaved off, with chilli sauce serving as foam, before he was banished to the remote island of Himandu. The cleric contemplated the idol that was to be his prison and began imagining it as another kind of paradise. Invisible to the gaze of President Maumoon Abdul Gayoom's grim autocracy and his spies, Sheikh Farid inspired the island's residents to build a state of their own modelled on Prophet Muhammad's proto-state in Medina, like the Taliban's Islamic Emirate in Afghanistan. The men, journalist Michael Van S. has recorded, and quote, grew their beards and hair, took to wearing loose robes and pajamas, and crowned their heads with Arab-style headcloths. Women were wrapped up in black robes, goats were imported, and fishermen gave up their vocation to become shepherds. Goats do not do so well on Indian Ocean islands, but when they died, the story goes, Sheikh Farid's Middle East financiers just sent some more. This week, as three deputy ministers in Moldavian President Mohammed Muizu's Islamist-leaning government were suspended for making personally insulting remarks about Indians and Prime Minister Narendra Modi, New Delhi has been discovering the depth of hatred nursed by the Maldives' religious right against India. Long before President Muizu rode to power, promising to evict India's tiny military presence in the Maldives, which basically involves using dorniers and helicopters for medical evacuation missions from remote islands, protesters had stormed a yoga event in Malay, claiming it was anti-Islam. Former President Mohammad Nasheed was targeted for assassination by jihadists claiming he was an apostate and critics of harsh punishments for blasphemy and adultery were threatened with violence. The effort to evict India is thus part of a much larger campaign of religious reaction. Laws prohibiting Christmas celebrations on the islands inhabited by residents were strictly enforced after President Moizu took office. The new president has promised to place Islam at the core of his government. Long a crossroads for trade across the Indian Ocean, Maldives' traditional culture had, shall we say, a relatively relaxed attitudes to personal freedoms. In the 14th century, the traveller and cleric Abu Abdullah Muhammad ibn Battuta, yeah, you remember him from 10th standard, wrote he had, I quote, commanded the women to wear clothes, but could not get it done. To Ibn Battuta introduce punishments like the amputation of thieves' hands, he also recorded that practices like temporary marriages with visiting sailors remained entrenched. Following the end of its existence as a British colonial protectorate, the Maldives remained an authoritarian state ruled by King Muhammad Farid Didi until 1968, followed by President Ibrahim Nazir for the next 10 years, 
and then President Gayoum. Educated at the Al-Azhar Seminary in Egypt, Gayoum legitimized his authoritarian rule by introducing a process of state-controlled Islamization, historian Mehvesh Hafiz has recorded. Gayoum cast the Maldives as an Islamic state with capital punishment for offences ranging from apostasy to adultery. The regime's opponents on the religious right, though, used the same language to discredit his rule. In December 1999, critics of Gayoum charged that millennium celebrations were part of a Christian missionary plot. Posters praising jihadists began to appear on remote islands after 9-11. In 2001, when US authorities arrested Maldivian national Ibrahim Fawzi in Karachi, it became clear that Al-Qaeda had been recruiting through networks on the islands. In a 2010 letter recovered from slain Al-Qaeda chief Osama bin Laden, the 9-11 architect noted his organization included, and I quote, a number of brothers from the Maldives islands. 1400 Maldivians, former police commissioner Mohammed Hamid said in 2019, were estimated to be committed to jihadist ideology and I quote, to the point where they would not hesitate to take the life of the person next to them. According to Hamid, some 423 Maldivians sought to join the Islamic State's forces in Syria and Iraq, with 173 actually succeeding in doing so. In addition, Hamid said, hundreds more travelled to Pakistan and Afghanistan to join jihadist groups there. Following the Indian Ocean tsunami of 2004, which claimed several hundred lives, a kind of millenarian religious frenzy washed over the islands. Preachers began touring the islands armed with cash from Islamic charities who had arrived from Pakistan and the Middle East. Writer Yamin Rashid, himself later assassinated by jihadists, told me. Their message was simple. Maldivians were paying for their sinful life and must atone to avoid Allah's wrath. Local pro-Islamist communities illegally married off underage girls and refused to vaccinate their children or to send them to school. Efforts to stamp out the all-enveloping buruga, which we call the burqa, failed. In early 2012, mobs destroyed an ancient head of the Buddha at a Malay museum. Ironically, that head was the only part of the statue to have survived the attentions of terrified villagers on the island of Thudu who attacked it soon after it was first discovered by archaeologists in 1959. The villagers, you see, thought it was some kind of demonic totem. Terrorism also began to surface steadily. In 2007, the Himandu exile Sheikh Farid students, Muhammad Sobab, Musa Inaz and Ahmad Nazir, bombed Chinese tourists visiting Malay's Sultan Park, mistaking them to be Japanese, investigators later found. The previous year, in 2006, Maldives national Ali Jalil became the first citizen of his country to become a suicide attacker, dying in a strike on the Inter-Services Intelligence Directorate headquarters in Rawalpindi, organized by Al-Qaeda. Ali Asham, a Maldives national alleged to have been involved with the Lashkar-e-Taiba network and accused of attacking the Indian Institute of Science in Bangalore in 2005, was deported from Sri Lanka to Maldives. 
despite Indian pleas, he was never prosecuted. Muhammad Fasihu from the Lam Atoll Island of Dhanbidhu and Shifahu Abdul Wahid of Dufushi Island on Kaf Atoll are thought to have been killed fighting Indian troops in Kashmir in 2007. The jihadists also systematically targeted liberal secular writers and activists inside Maldives, undermining voices trying to call for liberal constitutional reform. Like elsewhere in the world, the success of jihadism came in the context of a deepening cultural crisis among young people. Even though the Maldives is an upper-middle-income country, much richer per capita than India, its tourism and fisheries industries did not generate enough jobs for a new generation of educated young men. The social consequences included drugs, gang violence and high divorce rates. They created a prison population vulnerable to proselytization by the religious reactionaries with whom these young criminals found themselves sharing prison cells. The pop star Hassan Shifazi, one of the jail graduates, famously dumped his music career and turned to neoconservative Islam after successive nights of dreams that he was fighting alongside the Prophet. In 2014, Shifazi died fighting with Al-Qaeda near Ariha in Syria. The former pop star's wife Maryam and their two sons, four-year-old Nu ibn Hassan and two-year-old Umar bin Hassan, are suspected also to have been killed, tragically. 48% of the Maldivians who travelled to fight jihad overseas had criminal records and 39% were one-time members of Mali's criminal gangs, according to former police commissioner Hamid. The Islamist brotherhoods they found in prison may have replaced the sense of community missing in the urban milieu of Mali and given them a sense of redemption for their past sinful lives of drugs and freewheeling sex. Education, though, ironically contributed to the problem. A class 9 Islamic studies textbook told students, I quote, Performing jihad against people that obstruct the religion is an obligation. It promises that, and I quote, Islam ruling over the world is very near. Promising a caliphate, the textbook says, This is something that the Jews and Christians do not want. It is why they collaborate against Islam even now. Anti-Islam politics in India, finally, contributed to the radicalization process too, often putting the Maldives government in a very uncomfortable position. India was cast by right-wing politicians as an enemy of Islam and the Maldives' distinct religious identity. Even though the government of President Nasheed, eventually dislodged by the military, as well as his successor, President Ibrahim Mohammed Soli, acknowledged the problem, they proved unable to roll back the Islamist tide. The capture of power by Islamists through democratic means in the last elections will undoubtedly have profound consequences for New Delhi's ambitions in the Indian Ocean. But it also takes the Maldives itself into very dangerous, uncharted waters. I'm Praveen Swami and I'm a contributing editor for The Print. Thank you again for watching Security Code.